This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Okay, pour your coffee, get your glass of wine, whatever it is that you are going to be sipping on as we have this conversation today. I have one of my dear friends and a celebrity chef, a woman who is, I don't know, somebody who I feel like anybody who sees her or has heard her speak or has tried her recipes, she just like oozes this vibrant, glowing personality that all of us want more of. I'm so excited to talk to her all about her journey into becoming a chef who travels internationally. I'm so excited to dive into your relationship with food and what wellness and health and self-love means to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take us back to the early days. Did you always know that you were going to work with food and be a chef and be in this business? Well, I recently found a collage I made when I was five about my dreams and I actually thought I was going to be a chef, a professional volleyball player. I wanted to be a doctor by 22 so that I could have babies by 24. Like I, the chef was on it though, which made me laugh because I had no memory of ever feeling inclined to following that as a career until much later on. Wow. Wow. You are a connected little human with big dreams. What's so interesting is that at a young age, we have such limited number of words to explain what it is that we want to do. So we're like doctor, dentist, lawyer, firefighter, right? We have like seven things that we think we can be. And yet when you describe that vision that you had when you were five or seven, I'm like, you essentially are doing that now. I did sneak into the kitchen a lot. I, I thought baking was really interesting. I'd like go into the kitchen at night and play with the elements and kind of find things and create not a great habit for a child to sneak up when everyone else is asleep to play in the kitchen. I remember like making beautiful art designs with chopped fruit. Like I, there was something in it that I liked and found peaceful. I always loved eating. I was proud of myself when I could eat with the boys. I think it's like when my mom and dad separated, we'd eat on Wednesdays. He'd take us to buffets and I'd want to eat as much as him. I thought that he would love me more if I could like eat like him and kind of keep up. And that was what we did to bond. And he looked at food as love as well. So I think I was destined to explore what food means because of what food meant to me, which was, it was a moment of human connection. I didn't know that when I would get into this career, I was actually doing it to find love in my own life. I thought it was cute that I found this like really cute way to travel and like, (laughs) (laughs) and it was how I built deep bonds with other humans. And I got to nurture and caretake. I didn't ever want to be a typical chef. I didn't ever dream of being in a restaurant and working on a line like that wasn't it. I met a chef because I was interested in nutrition and I was interested in travel. And I, I met a chef randomly who happened to be a chef that worked on the road for like rock bands and for celebrities and his jobs we're like, oh, going to Paris and then like, I'll go to Ireland to do this. And 
I'll like maybe do this three week gig here. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, it's a, I'm a nutritional chef, but I travel the world doing it for different people. And it's of this high level of nutrient density, quality, all these kind of things that he, he showed me kind of like the freedom he had was the first time I like found the thing that I wanted. Cause I was interested in nutrition before, but I was at the time currently doing a master's in physiotherapy. I wanted to switch to nutrition so many times, but the nutrition that was being taught in some of the programs wasn't what I was most interested in. I had watched my dad had a heart, he had a heart attack. He read every book on every diet at the time and he healed himself over like two and a half to three years of like trying these different diets on. I watched him lose 70 pounds and start to run marathons again. So I think there was that influenced this like crazy nature that I had to travel and then obsession with what food did for human connection and how I could find connection that way. And just like kind of an, an, an awe around the fact that like, as you learn more about nutrition, you're like, wait, this carrot has this, and this is good for my body. Like what a wild magical thing that grows for us to nourish ourselves. Mm, I love that. We talk so much on this show about the purpose of food and for so many women, so many young girls too, the purpose of food has become so tightly interwoven with how our body looks, right? It's become really complicated or when we forget about the vast number of, of ways that food is there to serve us and to support us. You mentioned the connection that food brings, which is huge, like our ability to eat with people and to cook with people and to talk about food. It's a huge connecting point. And then this piece around health and wellness. And this is where I feel like sometimes it can get confusing for women. So I'm so interested to hear your philosophy around this. Let's just start there. What is your food philosophy? I'm going to try and say this in a succinct manner. There's like an entire emotional component in health and wellness that we cannot ignore. Our well-being, our stress levels, the management of our bodies, the people we surround ourselves with, like there's an element of toxicity in life. And if that's not being monitored, I believe you could drink all the green juice in the world and you would, you, you could potentially get sick, right? Like if you don't know how to move or speak, if there's not like a safe place for your feelings to land, like there's an element there that I think kind of has to be dealt with first. Then food to be restricted in it. I, I've seen more people do more damage to their bodies in a restricted fashion, like counting and, and limiting and being really stuck in this form, almost a self-imposed jail, if you will. I believe discipline is a beautiful thing that leads us on a journey to success in many ways. Like if you want to be a ballerina, then like practice ballet every morning. If you want to be a singer, like, like train your voice. But I think if you want to be healthy, the practice isn't to be so disciplined in restriction. That just leads to restriction. What I think would be better in theory is if you want to be healthy, practice health. So I think understanding nutritional foods, having them in your life, but allowing a little bit of flexibility and you know, if someone makes you a meal, enjoy the meal. I've seen so much, I'm going to be careful not to sound too frou-frou, but like with people being mindful in how they eat and how they sit down and like your body digests food 
if you even acknowledge that you're about to eat in a different way than if you just shove it in your mouth in the middle of a call, driving one handed down the road. Like, and I do that. I'm not saying that I don't. Everyone kind of does that at times, but if you want the full experience, the food can be done in kind of a little bit more of a sacred way. And I think that if you're mindful with the food, there's a, so much more flexibility there. So if I get hungry and I'm out and I want an Aperol spritz and a big plate of French fries, I just like kind of make peace with it. It's great. It, I don't think about it ever again. It's just a beautiful part of my day and I'm there and I'm present and I'm enjoying it. Mm. And like for myself, I usually try to do like one healthy meal a day that I make. And then the other tends to be kind of an experience-based version. Like if I'm out, if I run into something, if I'm on an adventure, if I'm cooking for myself at home and I have the capacity, then I'm joyful to, to make healthy foods for myself. But I don't come at it from a place of restriction. It's very much in balance. And I think that's because I feel empowered in knowing what to put into my body on the times when I have that control. So if I'm craving something and I'm exhausted, I just trust in that. And that being said, I've seen it where I'll work with women that want to be thin mm -hmm. and I'll say, okay, just trust in me. And I will diligently make the most nutrient dense foods and like package it up. And I'll like, in my head, I'll never tell them this, but I'll like make sure I'm not giving half a jar of almond butter a meal. You know what I mean? Like I'll be mindful and cautious in and calculated like I'll do that work but I won't ever share that with them I just say right. I've got you here's healthy food you can trust in it's probably like way more calories than they would ever allow themselves because they're like well I ate four gummy bears and I had a package of blueberries and I've had a cucumber and like that's probably all I can do for today but I'll give them like maybe triple all they do is like get brighter in their faces like yeah. it's so I've noticed the trust that we have with the foods that we put in and the commitment to kind of like, okay, I've got like the control of two out of my three meals today. Like those are going to be healthy and the other one's going to be like enjoyable and I'm going to be present and it's going to be fun. Yeah. First of all, let's just talk about, well, I mean, you have non-disclosure agreements with some of your clients, but you've worked with like all of the A-list celebs in Hollywood and in New York. And, oh my God, I'm just laughing about that night that we went to Caitlin Bristow's show and somehow you were not supposed to say who you were working with. I don't know if you said it or somebody else said it, but like she said it, she announced, she, I guess she invited you onto the stage and she's like, Michaela was just working for, you know, X, Y, and Z yeah. and basically announced it to the whole room. And you were like, oh my God, <laughs> this was not supposed to be talked about. They were giving me a testimonial. So I'm allowed to say it, but like so I had just come from Hugh Jackman's and she was like, she was with the Wolverine. And I was like, yeah. say that now. But like, <laughs> because I'm in the process of like writing a cookbook, I've like now asked permission from the people. And they're like, of course, why are you so weird about this? And I'm like, you're weird. Like <laughs> I'm never asked for a photo. And I'm like, it's so funny. Like I've traveled the world with people. Like I've been yeah. in their homes for years at a time with like so many people. And for some reason, I'm the opposite of ever being like, can I ever do this? And then I've actually had some of my clients be offended that I've never asked. And like, how can I support you? And I'm like, this is not what I expected. But anyways, because I'm always <laughs> so mindful of like not exploiting. Which is probably one, one, something that they really appreciate. And 
building that trust up with them is so, so important. Now that the cookbook is coming out and you're allowed to share who you've worked with. And more importantly, what I'm interested in is like, what are you telling them? What are you doing for them? What are your key pillars? Let's talk about that. Give us the insider scoop. I kind of have like a philosophy and in my head, green foods, yellow foods, and red foods. Mm. I know which ones I can feed in excess and which ones I need to do in a little bit more of like a restrictive manner and foods that I just avoid. So I avoid for my clients, like I don't do processed except for olive oil. Like I'm not making my own olive oil here or like drying my sea salt. Like I don't use processed foods, sugar. I would really say like a lot of the people I'm cooking for, I do 70% vegetables. Some of them I do grains, some of them I don't. It really depends on their bodies and their fuel requirements. But no matter what, the one thing that does stay steady is like 70% vegetables and that like kind of really clean approach. If I use proteins, I try and find like sustainable versions. I try and like still like if I'm giving you chicken or if I'm giving you red meat for a client that isn't vegan or whatever, it, it doesn't take up a lot of the space. It's very much not the star of the plate. I'm overloading clients with fiber. I'm keeping them full. I'm keeping them satiated. I make like sauces and spices and like lots of herbs for like detoxifying. I'm such a food nerd and I've been doing this for so long now that I can like introduce the meals and be like, and then this does this for your skin. And this is good for this part of your body. And so I try to like use things with purpose you can find purpose in any vegetable. If you look up like world's healthiest food, it's like a giant Bible book. And you can see like, you know, purple cabbage is like wildly loaded. It's not just like $2 vegetable that like sits in the produce aisle. It can be a base for a million different kind of recipes. So I have gotten really creative with food, veggie based, lots of spices, lots of seasoning. I don't compromise flavor. You are not eating cardboard if you come into my kitchen. So Your I- food is incredible. I mean, I've been lucky enough to get to sample some of it and it is amazing. If you're listening to this being like, okay, well, that would be nice to have a chef who could make me 70% veggie based, a little bit of protein and like all the variety. Michaela, you actually partnered up with one of my besties, Jill, who runs a company called Legends Hall and created this beautiful three-day meal plan and recipe cards. And they are incredible. They're all super easy and things that I wouldn't necessarily think of doing, but that have become staples like the zucchini power dip staple now in our house. So you can actually go over to legendshall.com. Anyone who's in the lower mainland, you can use the code well 15 to get 15% off. And you can actually try some of Michaela's recipes over there. I love that. I also like have some old recipes. Like I have about like 50 or 60 recipes from like a few years ago on my website. And I'm in the process of, I realized there's this huge disconnect and like I would like more people to be able to experience and feel empowered in the kitchen to make themselves this food. So I have started to design these like three day to seven day meal plans where you get a grocery list. And then I give you a prep list as if we were like cooking together, do this on this day and you can use this sauce for these three things. And like, then I like calculate it out again in the way that like, you don't know the nutrients, but I tell you, this is high in potassium. This is high in phosphorus. I'll say, This day is plant-based, but it's 80 grams of plant-based protein. Just so you're like, how? So just like show you, because I think I'm not a vegan and I'm not a vegetarian, 
but I, I believe that like we can all do better with more vegetables in our diet, regardless if you want to eat fish, you want to eat chicken, do your thing. Like that's not, and I do. So, but I, the key to the health and what I cook for my clients is very much in mastering the art of cooking vegetables in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Like you said, there is always room for us to incorporate more beautiful veggies to understand the food that we're putting into our body. But one of the things that you said at the very beginning that felt really important to me is that how we eat and our relationship with food is just as important in regards to our health and wellness as the specifics of what we're putting in. Like we don't need to count 12 almonds out and be like, I'm having my two cups of broccoli. And that that restriction and that stress around food can actually impact our health just as much, if not more than eating everything perfectly and doing it that way. I would say more. I've seen watched my own friends' battles and my own family's battles with the damage that comes with the restriction and the the stress alone in being restrictive is already causing your body to like backfire against you. And that like when you're stressed, you store fat. So like Mm -hmm. you just sit and make peace with those French fries or like whatever it is that day. Like it's you're actually better off in some ways. Yes. French fries are a horrible example in some way because you do want to avoid fried oils, blah, blah, blah. Still not going to ever stop me from eating French fries. I eat them all the time. Don't care. You're fine. You're totally fine. Yeah. Like it's not the end of the world. Truly. There, we don't need to be afraid of French fries. If you're having it every day, three meals a day, then you might notice you're feeling a little salty. <laughs> That's the thing. I think I had like a bit of a three-day bender when I hurt my ankle. And I was like, I just had like kind of pad thai and French fries for a few days because I couldn't walk. And I was like, listen, I'm like happy. I'm so happy, but like, I'm feeling a little groggy. Like I was yeah. like, I'm like, you have put like anything green in your body for three days. And yeah. like, but then you got back on, you kind of righted the ship. We got to like have some flexibility to live in both spaces. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. Pressing pause for a moment to ask you some questions. Be honest with me. Put up your hand, not if you're driving, of course, put up your hand if you're feeling a little out of control around food these days. You constantly find yourself in the kitchen snacking or eating when you know you're not really hungry. Put up your hand if you feel unhappy with your body. You get dressed in the morning or you're getting ready to go out and you feel totally discouraged by what you see in the mirror. Put your hand up if you are struggling to find the motivation to stay active or to move your body or really to live any of the habits that you know you wanna be living but you just can't seem to get into the groove. If you put your hand up for any of those things, I want to invite you to join me at my free live training, Five Steps to End the Battle with Food and Your Body. This is a free training. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes down below. And in this training, I'm gonna walk you through the exact steps I took to change my relationship to food and my body forever. No dieting, no insane workout schedule. It's perfect for anybody who's ready to step away from the exhausting cycle of dieting and overeating and then dieting again, only to feel like nothing is working for you. Or maybe you're trapped always thinking about food and your body and you know that it's holding you back from living your fullest life. If any of this is resonating, please do yourself a favor. Click the link in the show notes down below. Come hang out with me for one of my free one hour trainings. I can't wait to see you there. You touched really quickly on having friends who struggled with disordered eating. It sounds like, have you ever dealt with that personally or has anyone in your family been impacted in that way? I think I actually struggled with overeating. (laughs) Not even a joke. That was like my thing that I did, but my sister struggled with major bulimic tendencies and, you know, is still in treatment for it now. And that led to a real bad problem with heroin and meth because it was a great weight loss tool for her. I think it's because she also ate her feelings too. She's got a hold of more things at the time. And I liked sports just enough to kind of, it didn't impact me the way it impacted her. So I was always an athlete. And so I was like really proud of my ability to eat a ton. And, and like, I played rugby. So I was like, I I like loved being strong. I got pneumonia at one point and I lost like 25 pounds. And this was an interesting thing. I went to work and everyone was like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Like, I know you were sick, but like, what did you do? Like, what were you eating? And I was like, I literally was dying. And the compliments I was getting, that was the first time I was like, oh, 
this is something that would, if I didn't love food as much as I do, or know about nutrients or know about blood sugar, because like starving yourself doesn't make you better. And I'm actually going to leak back to my sister, but I, I, I found myself really feeling like, holy crap, like it felt like 20 people a day being like, you look better than you ever have. You look beautiful. And I remember being like, so now if I eat my food, do I lose that? And it was, a I had a really big day with it where I sat and I was like, so, so I get to be beautiful or I get to eat and love that world still. And, but I knew too much about food and nutrition and it was really beautiful. Recently, my sister was doing kind of like a treatment for her drugs. And so we've been really identifying and looking at her relationship with food. And she was like, she's like, I'm counting calories. I'm really nervous. And I was like, listen, like, I'm going to give you a sheet and I want you to eat as much of the things on the green list. And I did that with her. I was like, eat everything on this list. You don't have to count, just do it and don't think about it. And it's so interesting because in her, she's been in treatment for a hundred days and it specializes in eating disorder, but also drug and detox and, and treatment and recovery. Sorry. And she in giving her body three beautiful meals a day and entrusting the experience and taking the calorie restrictions away, she has lost weight. Her hair has come back. And we're talking like 25 years of eating disorder is like, does a lot of damage to teeth and hair and nails. And like, it's so wild to have seen in a hundred days, what eating healthy and just like kind of trusting in the experience and not controlling it in, in any way. Like, Cause she was like, I just need a guide. And I'm like, okay, I made, I made her a guide. And so she's feeding herself more than she ever has. And she's losing weight. And I think that that is what I noticed as well with my clients that wanted to lose weight. Like surprise, you weren't eating less calories. You never were eating less calories. No. I told you that I got you. I'm giving you nutrient rich food. You're good. I didn't reduce them. It wasn't like that. And, and there's, again, there's a responsibility. There's a responsibility to use healthy fats. You don't need to eat a jar of almond butter at every meal. That's where my yellow list kind of concept comes in where I'm like, don't restrict there. You don't need to free pour olive oil onto everything now either. There's a beautiful knowledge-based appropriate response that you can enjoy cooking and enjoy eating when you kind of understand that. Yes. And some of this is knowledge. Like I feel so lucky that I grew up in a home where my mom cooked a lot of our meals. I saw her cooking. She would never measure out olive oil. She'd put splash in the pan and throw in the veggies when she was making something like a stir fry. And so I just grew up seeing that. And I recognize a lot of people didn't grow up with that. So there's a component to nourishing your body that comes from learning and understanding and understanding what's in a carrot versus a French fry. That's really important. And a lot of that information gets quite bogged down in media and in stories. And, you know, we hear so many different things about different foods that if you're not an expert in it, it can become a little bit confusing and it's hard to know who to trust or who to listen to. But at the same time as well, there's an incredible amount of knowledge and wisdom within our bodies. 
for most people who are eating the jar of peanut butter, which I have been there, it's because they've told themselves not to have any peanut butter or they've restricted so much in the day that they're swinging into this state of binging. And all of a sudden you find yourself eating the entire thing of peanut butter and the box of cereal and like the list goes on. When you start to eat more intuitively and tune into your body and give yourself permission to eat, I, like I would never eat a whole thing of peanut butter anymore. I mean, that just feels like I would, it would make me feel sick. It's not though, because I'm telling myself not to, it's just, I know that's not what my body needs and wants. Right. It's that yo-yo of the blood sugar kind of dipping up and down. And like, I think like the goal is to keep that level. If you're level, you aren't having wild cravings. There's like this wonderful blood sugar dance. And I think that this is really like the starving doesn't work. It's actually the eating that is the solution to a lot of this, like the freedom to understand there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of trusted resources. And you hear of like one day it's keto, one day raw, one day it's coconut oil on everything. One day it's whatever. Don't eat a carrot because it's high in carbs. It's very overwhelming. And I think there's an innate wisdom that we do have in our bodies. Mm-hmm. My body loves rice noodles. I don't care if people say like, by the way, grains are going to kill you. I, I love them. They make me feel good. I eat them with vegetables. And again, like I know that eating with vegetables, like helps control the blood sugar. So like, I'm not spiking my system. I'm very privileged to know those things, but I think people need to try foods and see how it makes them feel and trust in that and find those ways of nourishing. If you feel satiated and and wonderful after and your energy's high, like that's a good food for you. It's a unique journey and we've never really treated it like that. We're always looking at like the diet. And like when I first started working with like cookbook agents, they were like, what's your thing? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, what are you? Like, I, I was like, I just like kind of have these pillars and I adjust them to everyone's needs and belief systems. And I watch their energy levels and they've all been like, that's not a diet that we can work with. Right. We need something more prescriptive, like tell people exactly what to have, but it's like, there's 7 billion bodies out there. You know, as an individual that they're all different, you've seen this in your work. And yet what sells is this like one-stop shop solution of here's what to eat in order to lose weight. But spoiler alert, 98% of those don't work. And then women end up feeling ashamed in their body, disconnected from what they should or should not eat. What you said there is so pivotal in just tuning into your body and noticing what feels good and what doesn't. We call this in the reset, your high energy and low energy foods. And I always say that some of the things that I would put on my high energy list that would not typically probably be deemed as quote unquote health food are things like Mrs. Vicky's plain chips, because those things give me so much pleasure. I love them. I don't eat the whole bag when I have them. It connects me to my mom and home and I don't feel terrible after having some of them. Like we're all good on my low energy list. I have things like a lot of sugar for me. I do notice I really break out and I feel the highs and lows but I also have kale and chickpeas and onions, which are typically really healthy foods, but they give me the worst gut rot. I I actually get like a headache often after eating them. So even though they're healthy, they don't work with my body in big proportions. The fact that like you're identifying those things on your own is the best thing. And like, 
as the chef, I can do that. I'll be like, Hey, and they're like, I, I kind of felt burpy. And there was a lot of red peppers in that. Like, maybe that's something I'm like, great. We're eliminating red peppers from your diet. I can't touch green peppers. I can't touch chickpeas. And so like some of my clients like love hummus and I'm like, here we go. And I like, can't <laughs> cause like I have to eat, like taste it and try it and whatever. Right. <laughs> I want to give them this source, but like, it's so unique. I know what I cook for myself is different than what I would cook for many of my clients. Cause it's a, it's a discovery. Like I do so well with cooked cruciferous. I don't digest it raw. Like it's such a unique journey. And I think that, you know, if I didn't know as much as I do about food nutrition, I'd be like, yeah, but like, what do you mean journey? Where do I start? I, I would probably like kind of do what you just said, like the highs and the lows, like what makes you feel good? What makes you feel bad, but also like start with vegetables and then like, see how you feel. Like I know that orange juice makes me crazy. Like I oh, can't really? <laughs> like, like sugars for me too. Like I've got really sensitive blood sugar. I have to eat kind of like high protein, a lot of veggies and like things that like really like lift my blood sugar up. Cause it drops yeah. really going through finding out those things for yourself and knowing that like, it's going to be unique for you and you can't just follow along and like, what is deemed healthy. Maybe you want to make the green smoothie, but like you have to put spirulina in it now because you can't absorb and digest the kale. So now it's still got like a green color, but you're mostly berry heavy and that's fine. And that's what I do. Cause I can't, I don't do kale as well. Oh, no way. Is, yeah. I don't digest it, but it's, yeah. it's like, I will, if I actually, um, if I braise it. Okay. So, and just help break it down a little bit. So it's easier for you to digest. So I think the fact that like these things are kind of said, do this. This is the way to lose weight. This is the way to be healthy. I don't believe that. I think that there are thousands of ingredients we can try and test out. I don't do well with raw broccoli, but I could eat like eight cups of cooked broccoli a day. Mm, yeah. I want oily sauces. I'm into that. It feels good. I think it's just understanding that. And like the beauty really is, is like, I see it with, especially the female clients I've worked with. They thrive when I remove any restrictive mentality away. And I just say, I've got you. And I just give them these foods. And again, it's like, it's just nourishing high quality vegetables. Like I'm like, I literally probably use like the same 15 pantry items over and over again. And I just like buy the vegetables that look pretty and like speak to me at that time. I cut them small. I make interesting bitefuls and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that though. That's so brilliant. And so just that simple piece right there of having some key staple items. And then when you're going to the grocery store, looking for the in-season stuff that feels appealing to you, that looks fresh and looks delicious. What are some of those staples that you think every person, I mean, obviously we just said, listen to your body. So as she lists some things here, if it's not working for you, then don't worry about it. But what are some of those staple items? If I'm going to cook you dinner, I want to have a high quality olive oil. I think I um, really like an apple cider vinegar or a rice wine vinegar. I like having a tahini paste. I like an organic tamari because I want to use organic soy products. I'll use lemon zest and lemon juice. I use a lot of raw and cooked cilantro. Like there's like really weird smoked paprika is a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Ume plum vinegar, if you can find it, is a really interesting thing for like kind of Asian flavors. But if you can't, you can kind of use like a lime juice. Like there's yeah. so many ways to play with food and flavors. But like those are some things that like I'll just naturally have if I want. Oh, toasted sesame oil. Oh, I love it. Mm, yum. Yes. And ginger. I do garlic. Like those, but just like 
what you would have. And then like, I feel like flavors are kind of like really easy to play with at that point. You know, we've gotten far from food being accessible. And I understand like, if you don't have access to fresh vegetables, uh, then that's a whole other conversation. And I very much realize that this is of privilege to even be having this conversation. But I, I think what I'm speaking about is the fact that health food has gotten so far from it, it just feels unattainable. It's very beautiful now. It's eight layers of a rainbow smoothie that someone has taken two hours to make and post on Instagram. Like it's, it's not manageable. Nobody has Nobody- time for that shit. Like it looks pretty and you like it, but like you actually don't have time. I, I mean, I, I don't know who has time for that other than the creator. I didn't even have time to post what I was doing. Cause I was so busy cooking for other people. Like it was, yeah. I just think that there's like a really simple way to like increase and encourage confidence in like how to use vegetables and like really how to get creative with them and then figure out what works best for you. Cause like most veggies are on the green, green as go, go for it, have a good time, figure out what works for you. And then like build it in on the other ends. I mean, I'm making this sound simpler than it is because again, you and I both have like an understanding, but. Well, I feel like there's, both a science and an art to cooking. And I think sometimes, and especially the women that I work with tend to be perfectionists. And so I just want to remind everyone eating and cooking. If we lean more into the artistic side of it, into the feeling and the experience of it and the smells of it and how our knife feels as we're cutting through it and putting some good music on in the background, like all of that is so nourishing to your body and your soul as well. I mean, I'm a mom with two young kids and sometimes dinner can be the most stressful time of the day because you've got hungry mouths to feed and I didn't get the groceries and I'm not sure what I'm making. So like, I'm not going to romanticize this and say that every night I'm like listening to the most amazing music and cooking, but having those more intimate moments with food and remembering that we can keep it really simple, get some beautiful proteins that you love and grains and lots of veggies and some olive oil and some good seasonings and just start there. Yeah. And make sure you have healthy fats. Like, like if you're going to do like a veggie salad, then like, make sure you're using a tahini or an almond butter. Like we want healthy fats and we want lots of veggies. Like those are two really important things that we need in our diets. Like play with seeds, toast them, blend them. Like there's a lot you can do, but I really like what you just said about like, there's many nights I don't want to cook. I just kind of grab whatever is there. And, and I just think like kind of taking some of like the stress, the perfectionism, the like, there doesn't have to be this crazy pressure. And like, listen, I don't have kids. I do not understand what it would be like to kind of be feeding people that I don't like green things. I want grilled cheese. (laughs) This is wild. Like whoever can cook for children is a master because they're like, I don't like that. And I'm like, oh my God. Like definitely my I'm like, this is a very wild thing. I really admire people that can can do that. And one day I will. But I just think, you know, my key for myself and my health, which is something like I realized that I have been caretaking everyone else's needs and health for 15 years. And then my health broke had a full-on adrenal fatigue and basically had to quit cooking for two years and realized that I wasn't doing the things that I was doing for other people for me, because that's what you do. Sometimes you get really good at the thing that you struggle with, which is I'm not good at self-care for me. It's the biggest thing I have to incorporate. It's, you know, self-love conversations, doing things that make me come alive. It was, I get distracted very easily for other people, for 
you know, experience things. And so I had to learn how to cook for myself all over again, because I was struggling Mm -hmm. with why I got my autoimmune disease. I, I like wasn't doing the things that I was teaching. And so what really helped me was like learning about the things that I could do while I was doing other things. So like I will roast a bunch of beets and roast a, like a bunch of yam slices while I'm doing my laundry. I will rinse a bunch of greens and let them dry in colanders while I'm cleaning my house. Mm-hmm. I have to do that because I'm also incorporating what it means to cook healthy in, in an efficient way. Like, guess what? The last place I want to be in the world when cooking is my work is cooking. Yes, like, I was going to say, of course, it's hard for you to do that for yourself. You've just spent all day doing it. I would rather go out and just like <laughs> cheese fondue and someone can serve me a big glass of wine because what you said, like, let's get lots of veggies and cook together. We'll like play music. And I'm like, and no, like my breakfasts are like, what can I get onto my plate that is healthy, that is fast? My cooking and my recipe design, ironically, is moving a little bit more in the direction of how do I simplify this? Because I don't really want to make recipes and make a book and make like this unachievable thing that I wouldn't do for myself. Yeah. I feel like we had this conversation at a friend's birthday a couple of years ago. And I was like, I feel like somebody needs to just do a really simple cookbook. Like we've gone to this super elevated version, which is amazing. And don't get me wrong. I love trying new recipes that also just, how do you make a really good basic salad with nuts and some maybe like vegan cheese or cheese and some good veggies and a good base. Like what are my basic salad dressings? How do I put together like the perfect rice? I mean, there's just, it's like we, I don't know, for some reason, I I feel like as well that there's space to just bring it back home to the basics. Learn like three sauces, master the art of steaming or roasting and like you're a rice cooker, you know, like <laughs> rice cooker. Don't waste that time. Don't wash that pot. Like I'm all about the hack. Like if you're going to like, you know, use a food processor to like grate a bunch of carrots, like do a ton of vegetables in that moment. So you only have to wash it once. It's like yes. batch prep, batch cook. Like if you can eliminate the amount of dishes, you are more likely to go in the kitchen, yeah. like trick yourself. And then you'll be like, you know, as someone who does cook, like I, I also resist that because it's not where I necessarily want to be. And I'm having to relearn what it feels like to cook, what it feels like to share, because I, I got so jaded for a minute because I was burnt out on it, you know? So I think it's, it's been a very beautiful journey to learn how to love myself through food again, because ironically I was using food to receive love, but it wasn't back to me. What does eat to love mean to you now? Your tagline, which is so beautiful. When I came up with it, it was because I thought that, you know, my food was helping people connect, I thought, themselves with themselves. It was love. Like food was love. Food was sharing. Food was intimacy. Food was nourishment. And and it was self-care. Just the irony was that I wasn't necessarily doing it with myself at the time. Mm -hmm. But kind of always did mean that, you know, like I kind of mentioned, food meant love with my father. It meant love with his father, who was a concentration camp survivor who only showed my father love when they were eating. Wow. My dad became an overeater because like he was looking for love. I'm like, guess what? We all became overeaters because it was like this passed down thing. And we only saw my dad like once or twice a week. And when we'd see him, we'd eat. And it was this big form. And it was so interesting. I am the pandemic's been really reassuring 
I have lost the human component on some of my jobs where I'm in my kitchen cooking and an assistant will meet me outside. We're masked up. I switch off the food. They drive back, they drop it off. And I don't, I'm not in contact with the clients and it is reinforced so much that I actually don't always enjoy that part of the experience. Mm-hmm. I like love some of it and the creativity and whatever, but I really like the human contact part. Yeah. It's shown to me that like, I need to kind of reframe what I'm doing to understand the deepest purpose I can bring out of it. And which is connecting. So that's why I was like, I want to make these meal plans so people can do it for themselves. Because I think that that might make me feel even more connected to people at the same time and like create communities of conversation around this and like videos and like have fun with it rather than kind of like doing it alone for 15 hours a day. Yes. I mean, so much of your relationship with food has been, as you just said, connecting outwardly to others. And then based on our conversation and this period of time with COVID and so much of your work has has changed in the way that you're doing it, it's really provided this opportunity for you to really look at reconnecting with yourself at a deeper level and to kind of go internal, which a lot of people have done in this year. A lot of people have had all their extracurriculars and all the things that keep us busy pulled away from them. And in that, we find space to sit with ourselves and to go within. What have you discovered or uncovered during this time about yourself and how to nourish yourself? Oh, big question. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized that I have been a little bit of a runner I thought I was always kind of chasing adventure because it was part of who I was, but I learned that part of my chasing was avoiding myself. But what I realized in kind of like the pause was I've kind of been avoiding pieces of myself and areas of work that I need to do. And I, I've asked these questions of whether like my work resonates with me for the last five years, but I would just get so distracted with one job to the next job to the next job that I would have like a glimmer of something. Like I wanted to create more connection and more human contact into a way like broader group of humans. But I always say yes to the adventure first, because I think there was a reckoning that I had to have first with, well, what are you doing about your own life? What does your self-care look like? And so This year has very much been me examining my relationship with discipline. And that's not about what I put in my body. It's about, do I give myself 30 minutes in a day off my phone? Right. Yes. (laughs) So I really, really looked at, holy crap, like when I'm not working for other people, I have a really hard time showing up for myself. Mm. I've uncovered, you know, some wild self-worth issues in terms of like, you know, I feel very externally loved, but when in the, you know, you spend six months alone and you're like, who am I? And I don't know if that's healthy. Also, I'm like talking to my fruits and I'm like, <laughs> but it's also relatable, right? Literally everybody listening right now is like, oh yeah, being there this year. And like to like lose your identity and have to read it and rediscover it, it. It's been, it kind of like shows you the flaws and how you built it. I had so much external validation for being a giver that I never realized that I, was giving from a place of like maybe coming from some challenging background, like like having a caretaking role in family meant that I was kind of doing this externally. And I and 
when you caretake people, you get rewarded. Like people love being taken care of, but I wasn't doing it in a way that was fulfilling me. It was actually like part of an old pattern. So I've like really taken a step back, like what I want to do and like how much can I inspire or touch or share knowledge that I have? What can that do if I can change someone's relationship with food so that they smile more in a day? Like that's a good fucking feeling for me. I really want that. And so I think reframing that, understanding that, and then just looking at my own lack of discipline when it comes to myself and being like, this is something I want to work on and like consciously commit to, but it is wildly hard for me. So that's why with someone who's like, food is really hard for me. Like I get it because like, I cannot get up and not look at my phone. I even forget. I'm like, no phone while you're putting it in the other room. And I'm like, where's the, where's the phone? (laughs) So addictive. I mean, that's like, that is beyond discipline. Our phones are literally addictive. And the discipline piece is really interesting because I see it all the time in the individuals that I'm coaching. It's really not about not having discipline. It's being very good at self-sabotaging because there's something you're afraid of in regards to getting this thing that you want. So like when you're able to release the cookbook or just sit with yourself or connect with the number of people in the way that you truly want to, what is the risk there? What, like, there's obviously something that brings that fear. And so we get really good at finding a million ways to not walk that path in case that fear thing happens. Right. You don't like, if you show up as all of you and you, you're like scared of failing or scared of not being loved as you are, or you just don't even believe you're worth it. Like, I think there's like a huge level of sabotage. And like, it's funny when you see it, when you're like, you start off strong. And then at the end of the day, you're like, how did I do that again? And (laughs) it all feels okay. But I, I really think that like biggest thing I'm trying to do every day when I kind of have those realizations, I'm like, you just said you were going to do this and this, and you did everything but that. I'm like, trying to be really gentle and like, okay, like, is there a deserving piece? Is there a self-worth piece? Is there a fear piece? Is there like, like what is in there and trying to just be like, it's okay. Don't like, I want to now spiral into some guilt on myself. Like that I now failed at that. And I failed at the goal, the failed and like, holy shit spiral. Right. Like, so here and now big, deep breath, what can I do? Tomorrow's a new day and be the gentle hand on heart, like, okay, go. And that's been my biggest tool is actually like trying to be gentle with that because being disciplined and being gentle, like don't really live in the same realm. No, because, because I know giving space and giving time and really putting your moments towards you and your self worth, your self growth in a day is like kind of all we have. Literally. It's the only path forward. And when we get into that judgmental space where we're beating ourselves up and moving out of like a calm, rest, digest, logically think space, we're moving into fight or flight and we're not able to think clearly or understand or look inward to be like, why did I just disconnect from that path that I wanted to be on? Where is my body at? What am I feeling in my body right now? All of these these pieces. And the reality is, Michaela, like you are, (laughs) it's like, you're talking about wanting to do all of these things and to connect more broadly with women. And I'm like, just wanting to reflect back to you that you are 
doing all of that. <laughs> Everything that you're expressing that you hope to be, you are already literally doing it all. And of course we can always want to be more, do more, have like that number be bigger or whatever it is, but you're already living out that vision that you set out for yourself as a little girl. Isn't that the irony is that everyone kind of like that you, you can be so successful to everyone else, but there's always something that you're not quite good enough at in your own world. And I think that's kind of like that community piece. And I think that this year has been so lonely because we don't have those reflections as often. Like I forget all the time. Like I forget to be like, Hey, five years ago, you would have dreamed of doing what you're doing now. Right. I don't stop to be like, good job. (laughs) Well, you failed at your discipline today. Didn't you? And I'm like, why are you always here? Why are you so mean to me? Like, and then you're like, but wait, I'm choosing to do that to myself. And so first of all, thank you for saying that. It's so important. I think at times to have this, like, I mean, like I'm great at telling my girlfriends what they're doing so well. And I'm so proud of them. And I would never talk the way I do to myself, to anyone else in this whole world. And I'm like, maybe we should just work on the discipline around being gentle. So that's the, that's the cue for me right now, which is every time I'm doing that, just to be like gentle. Cause like, yeah, exactly. Like 10 years ago, I would have like been so happy with this five years ago. I would have been like, if only you could sit in this mind state more often, like, guess what did it? I think their self-celebration and that acknowledgement is something I'm definitely like want to bring in more. So I've, I've been happy with this year because it really forced more of that alone time. And like, there were moments where I was like, I kind of like this, like hanging out by myself stuff. I think there was a real opportunity to get to know ourselves and choose people we love and to kind of like, as we open up to bring back in again. And, you know, what do we do because of obligation or what do we do because it truly fills us? You know, I'm making a commitment to like show up better for some of the people in my life that I love, like little things out of this that like I would have never guessed little things but that ultimately are the big things in life I think is what has really come out of this year and often we have to go through those really challenging moments in order to see clearly and to have clarity around what is truly important I feel like I could talk to you for another 17 hours (laughs) I can't thank you enough for carving out time to join us today where can everybody find you and where can they get a sample of some of your incredible recipes? So it's my website is MichaelaRubin.com. That's like where I kind of live that world. <laughs> the best. It's the best. So connect with Michaela, take a screenshot of this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with um, your own audience. If you have a second to leave a review, I'm so appreciative and love reading all of the comments that you leave behind. Michaela, if you could send one final email to that was going to land in the inbox of every woman in the world, what would your message say? Oh, I think I would just say like, be gentle and love yourself. Carry that with you. Be gentle. How can you be gentle and just love yourself that little bit more this week? I will see you beauties next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. 
Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.